just um, I don't want to send posting messages on text and sometimes beating it on on WhatsApp. It's too much. I don't like it when I receive um, repetitive information. So likewise, I it. But on Friday, I was met to pray, and the, some, the word that the Lord released to us all. Uh, it found in Jeremiah chapter 32 and in verse 27. And the word of God says that um, the Lord and the God of all flesh, that is there anything too hard for me. So I just felt like ashamed because and the Lord took us to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 to 2. 2 Kings 7, 1 to 2. This was the story of a man uh, uh, when there was famine in the land of Samaria. And the gates, the king's man was saying, well, he, had, he did have faith after God had spoken. And Elisha told the man that he received what he did not what eat of it in Second Kings. So when God told us that, God was just trying to tell us that, look, just believe, just have faith. That it doesn't matter where you are, that just know that with him, the anything too hard for him. Certainly not. Because some one or two of us may be in a position where it just looks really dire. You know, you don't know how God is going to do it. That you want to be in a better place, but physically speaking, it looks physically impossible. And that's what God is saying. He's stepping into that situation. I just want you to hold on to that faith of yours in God. Amen. And don't lose hope. That was his encouragement to us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. God is good. Praise God. Father, so just go into your word briefly in a short while. Father, speak to us. Amen. Open our hearts to receive from you, everlasting Father. Break up the fallow grounds in our hearts that we may receive the implanted word of wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we bless and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The title of the message is called the Aaronic Aaronic Anointing. What do I say? Aaronic Anointing. So you wonder what is Aaronic? Aaronic means from Aaron. Aaronic Anointing. Amen. Amen. We've been talking about revival, 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 revival for a while. Amen. Even from, I believe, from last year. Talking about revival, God wants to bring revival. A few weeks ago, during the midweek service, Pastor Wilson talked about revival as well. And for those of you following the open heavens as well, I don't follow the open heavens religiously, but you know, the last few days, a couple of days, he talked talking about kind of revival as well. And this morning again, he talked a little bit about revival. So I believe that God wants. Wants to step us up. That's why he's giving us this message um, that the running anointing. And I'm praying that as we listen, as God speaks to us, that the Lord will deliver us from such an anointing in the name of Jesus and give us truly the grand anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you look at the word in Psalm 103, verse 7, the message that the Bible passage we were very, very familiar with. Psalm 103 verse 7 says, He made, that is, God made his ways, uh, made known his ways to Moses, 
and his acts to the children of who? Israel. He made his acts. He made known to the children of He made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And I asked God, okay, ironic anointing, what does this really mean? And God was just trying to tell us that, so we not share that. The ironic anointing, Aaron never had a personal word, revelation of God. Amen. That is why it's called ironic anointing. That the church today, amen, is working in the ironic anointing. Even many of us here, you know, because until you have that personal encounter, without that personal encounter, it cannot, they, there will hardly be a catalyst that will launch you into the path of God, what God wants for you, that you find it easy. Now, for example, if I tell you people, if I ask people, how many people just find it easy to just go and just evangelize and just go and just, just come up on the street and just go and just talk about, you know, so that you, 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 you once in a while you will look at the face of the next person, you will consider whether I'm in the place of work, what are the ethics in the place of work, am I right or wrong, because the business ethics says this, but if you look at, if God was, uh, was strong and mighty in that individual's life, like Jesus, in the days of Jesus, or the days of Abraham and Moses, what happens? The days of Peter, when they encounter God, and then when, they, when they, the Bible talks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 particularly, that what? They went out with boldness. It doesn't matter what the business ethics says or the law of the firm. You are just busting out with fire within you and you just go on because of that what? Encounter with God. And that is what the church needs. When we talk about, um, talk about revival, that is where revival starts. Until we get there, is the ironic anointing will keep on functioning. That means that we hear from somewhere, or we just hear God speak, but we've never really encountered that. I mean, we know the ways of God through reading the Word of God. The Bible says meditate, study the Word, and we do all those things. Yes, we know. Yes, we have the conviction, but we've never had that encounter that gives us, that takes us to the place where it is beyond reasonable doubt. It takes us to the place where it is no longer I who live, but what Christ lives in me. We can use our mouth to declare it that this is where we want to be, but there is an encounter that somehow you no longer have control. You are no longer in charge of your say, of yourself. Amen. But the Holy Spirit just consumes you and is the one leading and taking you where to go. And that is where the church needs to be. And that is what we need to cry out to God for. Amen. If you look at the Word of God in the book of Exodus, um, chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, um, from verse 1 to 5, Exodus chapter 3, and I'll try to move really fast. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and came to Herod, and Moreh, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning without fire. But the bush was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not form. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Amen. In the place where you that was Moses' first encounter. And if you look at the back history of Moses, I mean, following that encounter, God showed Moses the rod, formed the snake, you know, encountered God in those ways. He talked about his hand, putting his hand in the talks, becoming leprous. And God God showed him various signs, various, you know, he encountered God in, in, in a different way. And furthermore, in Exodus chapter 33 from verse 18, Exodus 33 from verse 18, the word of God really says from verse 18, and he says, Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, I will have compassion to whom I will have compassion. But God said to him, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the collect of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall my face shall not what be seen. Amen. Mm-hmm. He had an encounter. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of encounter, I look at it as you know, I, I like to visualize the scriptures that we read. That Pharaoh, the, Egypt was one of the most powerful countries in those days in the world. Amen. And if Moses had, who was a prince in Egypt, had fled for because of what he had done, amen, for he wanted to save his life. By mere encounter with God, it brought a revelation to him but at the end of that, that encounter that he was able to go back to the place where they wanted him dead without being worried about his life because it was no longer Moses living because of that encounter. Amen. Not that the word of God was not there. But he needed that personal revelation. When Gideon, for example, when God so uh, Gideon, mighty man of battle, you know, yeah, Gideon said, We read about God. We read about God. Our fathers have told us. We know all this thing. But Gideon needed that personal encounter to say, Yeah, okay, God, this is the sign. If it is you, let this happen. If it is you, let this not happen. Let this happen this way and that way. To the point that he had the confidence and the boldness to even go and pull down the altar. Uh, I don't know what altar it was. I don't know if it was the altar of Baal or so that he had to pull down the altar. Uh, and what I'm trying to say here is that we need what that personal encounter. Yes, many are times we are in the church. And we say, yes, we know all about God. You call yourself Prophet um, Isaac or you say Prophet Kate. Amen. You know, we're all sons of God. We say we are all prophets. We are all, I mean, we name all those things. But with that personal revelation, that encounter, it will just be just in knowing, but without a revelation. Amen. Amen. I'll take you to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. I'm saying this thing, I'm backing up the scripture so we really grasp what God is trying to say to us this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. This is the story of Isaiah, the prophet, because before uh, he read from Isaiah 1, so on and so forth, you know, there's a prophet. But from chapter 6 and verse 1, the word of God really says, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
till I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, and two he covered his face with, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. That's right. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the one. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, your sin is poured. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This gentleman was a prophet. A seasoned prophet known to the nation. But when he had an encounter, he, his life changed. Something happened. Amen. He did not God be, it became a change, what? A change in the future. And that is where we are. That is our heart cry. Because we are crying out for revival, revival, revival starts with you and I. Starts with the church before he goes to the nations and you know and so on. I mean, there's so much we can talk about. Are we going to talk about Jeremiah? Are we going to talk about uh, the likes of um, John, Peter, and Paul? I mean, John, Peter, and um, James, who Jesus took to the Mount of Transfiguration in the book of Matthew, chapter 17, from verse 1 to 4, who had a personal revelation of Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Are we going to go to the light of uh, Apostle Paul, who was full of apostles initially? And we can find those accounts in the book of, um, in the, in the book of Acts. Amen? Yeah. In the book of Acts, chapter 26, from verse 14 to 18, when Saul was going to, uh, to Damascus, on his way to Damascus, the word of God says the Lord appeared to him on the road. We know it very well. And Saul had a personal encounter with God. And this was a man that was going to persecute the Christian. He went out to begin from that from that day forward. The guy was preaching Christ with boldness. And you know, he, he was not going to stop. Let's just quickly read the account. Acts chapter 26 from verse 14 to 18. Acts 26 from verse 14 to 18. The word of God says, And when we are we all had fallen to the ground. I heard a voice speaking and saying in Hebrew language, So, so, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of the things which you have seen and of the things which have yet revealed to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I, I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among those who are sanctified God by faith in me. You can see, so went on to be the chief of apostles 
went all the way to Rome because God had spoken. He had a personal encounter. That's why the people like Paul could say that, you know, it's no longer heavenly, but Christ who lives. That's why people like Paul could go on to say that, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. That curse, we say, when the word of God says, woe is me, he says that, I am, curse am I if I don't preach the gospel. Because of that encounter, it was busting in him. And I am praying that God will give us, give me, you know, uh, such an encounter, give you such an encounter that no longer do you need anybody to, 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 to encourage you, to charge you, to tell you what to do. No longer do you need someone to just, you know, to say, come on, let's go. You know, no. You just get up and get on with it. And that is where God wants us to be. You know, because I, because I look at the lives of the men that, you know, people that I put in high regards. Um, you can Google his name. Someone like, um, I don't know if anyone have heard of Randy Clark or anyone have heard of Bill Johnson, you know. When I read some of the books, I said, God, what is fooling these people? When I read the books, as much as some of them were ministers of God, you know, already pastoring, you know, but there was no, how would I put it? That the, the ministry was okay, you know, was there and there, but something happened when they now had a personal encounter. The ministry transformed. When I mean transformed, it was a revelation that came when they had an encounter with God that it just kind of changed the dimension of things because it was no longer them living. When I read that, I was like, wow, God, a personal encounter is what a man needs, it transforms a life. Those people who follow, for the Africans that know about Bishop Yidipo, he had, as much as he was in ministry for so many years, the day he had an encounter and found the secret that he was shouting, as this is one of his messages, that I have found the secret, I have found the secret, I have found the secret, this is it, I have found the secret, I have found the secret, he was so excited. And the secret was so simple to him. When I heard, it was so simple, I'm like, what's this thing? But to him, it was a revelation. To that person, it's nothing. But to him, it was an eye-opening. And the ministry transformed to what it is today. To you, my encounter will be different from your encounter. Amen. But he hungered and thirsted for this. And God gave him such an encounter. So this thing comes as a hunger and thirst for us too. Not that God cannot just do it. But God, we understand too that God too doesn't just give his uh, things to swines, you know. Some people don't, don't desire it or, you know, so that you don't just waste this gift and this for nothing. But it's a desire. But not that still, God cannot just choose to do it. Yes, he can. So when I looked at this, because I tried to stop these people, you know, there's a guy, I don't know if people know about Pastor Paul, most people might not know, I don't know who sat down with him a few times, I've heard the story. So that you just wonder, how is this man just, you know, you just say, man, the man just say, oh, I can see this happening, this tree was planted, and I'm wondering at God, how is this man seeing all this thing? But when the guy told all this story, he had a personal encounter where God took him to the garden by his own story of healing, told him to eat of this fruit, told him to eat of this, and told him that this is to deliver the people, I am sending you forth now. Everything changed from that day. He had an encounter. Amen. Yes, we read the Bible. Yes. But as long as we remain like that, I look at it as we are following the ironic anointing. Because Moses said the law. God spoke. Moses said. Everyone followed. That's why when Moses was in, um, 
and when they didn't see Moses for a while. That's why Aaron, because he never had an encounter, all he could hear is uh, maybe whispers of God, either from God directly or from Moses, you know, what God wants them to do. So when Moses wasn't at hand anymore, what he turned back to Peter, when Jesus wasn't around, when Jesus died, what happened? Jesus, Peter that had raised it, I mean, Peter that had, um, God had sent the disciples to go and heal the sick, you know, paid them off. After they've experienced the power of God, when they were sent out in twos, amen, to, amen, to deliver people. When Jesus died, what happened? He said, well, I go back fishing. That's what happened. That's why maybe sometimes for a lot of Christians, a lot of us, sometimes, sometimes you struggle, it's like a yo-yo. You go back and forth, you swing, oh God, I'm on fire today. Oh, somehow things are just stop. I'm cold again. And you go back again, I'm on fire. You know, it's just like that. Until you have that. I mean, those, is that a counter that swells the life of the general overseer? That they go with such passion that sometimes you just wonder that these people don't give rest. You know, I mean, I'm speaking to one of the pastors recently, Pastor Paul, and I mean, I said that he, he was telling me how many days, you know, I, I said this is humanly impossible. He was telling me that <laughs> he told me that, oh, in his office he has his bed, and I actually saw it. He had his bed, I mean, he had a room by his office that he said sometimes he doesn't go home for three days, this is where he stays, he only sleeps. He said he only goes home to rest or so, maybe once or twice in the week. You know, night. So everything is just, ah, I'm like, God, he, this is not humanly impossible. You know, but there is a fire that, an encounter that he has had that is fueling him. Because physically, if I were to do that, and I'll be doing it with my physical strength, and the physical body, the physical strength cannot sustain it. It's a divine strength because of an encounter he has had. And I encourage us to. Also, prior to God for such that God will give you a personal Forget what other people have had. You know, God will give me my own personal encounter. Amen. Amen. God will give us own personal, our own personal encounter. So let us bow ahead and just pray. And this prayer is not just a prayer that ends here, but it's a prayer that during the week, it's a prayer that we pray continuously until we see, until we have that encounter that we need in the mighty name of Jesus.